Welcome to the Cannabivarum Podcast, the Cannabis Truth Podcast. I speak the language of cannabis freely and uncensored while educating my audience on the safe use of this live plant therapy. You should know what's in your cannabis, what's good and what's not. It does not come with an FDA stamp of approval yet. Using cannabis mindfully as a medication is a different concept, and Western healthcare philosophy, specifically of the past 100 years, there's a lot to learn and reconsider. The information you'll find here comes straight from the scientists and clinicians doing the work and reporting their findings in real time through various online outlets. The scientific truth of cannabis is finally getting out and is wide open for all to see at respected medical sites like PubMed.gov and JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. And I'm right there in the thick of it with all those titans of medicine. As a fly on the wall, Because I'm not a doctor, I didn't go to med school. I took dozens of private cannabis courses offered by cannabis scientists online over the past few years and slowly began to understand the bigger picture. But I'm not a medical doctor or scientist. Oh, I can talk to one about cannabis and hopefully inspire more doctors and patients alike to research the facts as we know them today and decide alternative health care paths for themselves. This is Honey Smith Walls, a 21st century cannabis shaman, not a doctor, not a scientist, just here to explain the great big story and the language of cannabis in its historical, political, and scientific terms so you can make educated decisions about the medicine you choose to ingest. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Hello, my friends. I have a very special friend in the cannabis industry who came to be my holiday gift to you. His name is Dr. Cody Peterson, and I discovered him a little over a year ago on LinkedIn, and I've been following his path ever since. Dr. Peterson is one of those amazing people who can teach the most intricate details in the most exciting way that connects the dots so easily for his students. You see, learning from books was really difficult for me because of a little dyslexia until I found my passion and some reading hacks that helped me turn into a sponge. Then finding the right teachers to make sense of it all unlocked that insurmountable gate in my late 60s. So the lesson is, you're never too old to learn something new. The short story is that I got so excited about Dr. Peterson coming that I forgot to introduce him. And then I regard him as such a whiz kid of cannabis. He's so much younger than me that I get overly affectionate in my sympathies. Don't be fooled. He's a shining star in this cannabinoid industry, worthy and due all the respect of his many, many years of health service to his community. With a sweet shout out to his ninth grade science teacher, Mr. Fletcher, or was it Flesher? Hey, Mr. Flesher, how are you? Thanks and good on you, buddy. You really popped out a great science teacher. He's not the only wonderkin in the cannabis industry, but he's certainly leading the way. 
And you'll see why as he tells you life could not begin without your endocannabinoid system. And now, my holiday gift to you, Dr. Cody Peterson. Hey, it sounds like Cody's there. I did indeed make it. Hi, honey. I, I was just thinking, God, your schedule must just be crazy. It's really obnoxious, I must be honest. I, I did indeed work last night, uh, come home, had a few meetings, and I took a nap between my last meeting and this one. Yep. And I am Dragon A-S-S. I hear you. I hear you. I'm sorry. Hey, but, don't be sorry. But, you know, Look, I love is... your life. I love what you're doing, and I'm so, I am so impressed. I don't know what to talk about first. I've got a little list of what are you busy doing? What do you foresee? What do you fear? What do you cry about in our industry? And what do you want? But really, don't let's forget to talk about uh, Rafael Mishulam and the EPM 301. And EPM stands for the company that he was working with. What I believe what you're referring to is his his more recent discovery and, and sort of identification of how to stabilize cannabinoid acids is this is this what and... that sounds familiar yeah okay there we are i've just been reading so many wonderful things from different cannabinoid scientists and doctors and clinicians and pharmacists and nurses and it's really blossoming into into an industry is a funny a funny word for a flower a flower based herb um, it is but it, yeah and things are happening all around us and you know there's a lot of just inherently in the culture of cannabis, there's a lot of ingenuity and a lot of creativity. And I think we're seeing that play out, particularly in, in states that haven't been as burdened with regulations like California, for example, um, at least that have hindered the growth of, of legal cannabis businesses. And does there, does there have to be a, a pharmacist in every dispensary in California? <laughs> I, I think that you're joking, right, honey? That, well, they have them in Connecticut. <laughs> sure, they do. They don't. Uh, Am I just being naive? No, I mean, if, so they do have them in Connecticut, and they are in Pennsylvania. Uh, they were supposed to be in Ohio, but that got that failed. Virginia and a few other mm -hmm. states. Um, however, that model has not yet shown Taken to be off. fortuitous enough. Mm -hmm. um, and so, no, in fact, the vast majority of states, honey have no pharmacist involvement, including California, where the State Board of Pharmacy um, has taken basically a hands-off stance to all things cannabis. I've heard that song before from our friend, Dr. Leah Johnson, and it's just shocking. I mean, I understand a lot of sort of semi-logical reasons, but the, but the real blow is that, you know, they're just uh, putting their hands over their ears and closing their eyes and saying, don't bother me with the facts. I know what I think. Look, this is this is the easier solution than, than um, I guess, dealing with the political uprising that is, you know, putting putting pharmacists into a situation where their their licenses are technically at risk, because that unfortunately is the state of affairs right. um, where where a pharmacist isn't allowed to handle these substances because they're schedule one. Right. Right. I am right. the I'm the preferred healthcare professional to handle all your other controlled substances. I'm the most trained on how to manage uh, ordering controlled substances via a 222 form, how to destroy them, how to keep track of them, all of that good stuff. But when it comes to cannabis, it's just too dangerous and too misunderstood 
for the pharmacist to be involved. That's sort of the <laughs> the laughable situation that, it is. that has been painted. It's utterly laughable and horrifying because what is what does that say? Where did the respect go for the years of study that you've put into understanding chemicals only to be told by some yahoos, you know, no, we're not going to look at this anymore. We're not going to help people with this drug. For well, some right, reason. this drug isn't patentable. I mean, right. <laughs> uh, what I mean is that uh, that's exactly what I mean. Uh, right. But there isn't money to be made in cannabis. Therefore, there isn't the money, the $1 billion it takes to study this medicine enough to get it FDA approved because it's not patentable. It's a natural product that, that ca- it cannot make a bunch of money um, for a C-suite you know, board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. you know, when it doesn't get the, it doesn't get the funding it needs to, uh, to really get the support and the evidence that is being demanded. of it. Okay. But that's just for corporates sake. So when are we going to get the politicians in there that we need to actually start taking care of the people? I don't know. That's a political question and I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Oh, it's horrible. I'm just, I know it's horrible. I can't even, it's just horrible. So let's go to different things. Tell me what you're busy doing now. I mean, what's, what's on today's schedule and, and, um, and what's the most exciting thing that you're working on? I didn't do much of an intro. So for those listeners who don't know me, uh, as Dr. Cody Peterson, I'm a, I'm a cannabis pharmacist. Uh, well, really, I'm a pediatric pharmacist turned cannabis pharmacist, and that is what I still do full time. Uh, as you kind of mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I still work in a hospital uh, and I work seven out of every 14 days in an overnight emergency department. Now, you would think that would be the most exciting thing that I do. Certainly, it's the most adrenaline filled for a job. But it's not really what I'm passionate about. Uh, what I'm passionate about is, is sharing information about the endocannabinoid system. And that's how you uh, heard about me, saw saw me. And we, mm-hmm. got, we got hooked up here on the, the Cannabivarum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm working on now that I'm excited, uh, and this may or may not be a surprise to you because you, you uh, interviewed one of my colleagues uh, and friends, Dr. Leah Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really working with this uh, to found a, a nonprofit. Um, with a a few really smart pharmacists and academics here in the state of California um, to drive forward um, the really the necessary connection between the State Board of Pharmacy, the the Board of Cannabis Control, uh, as well as other regulatory bodies. And the pharmacist has long been the right person to to do this task. And so we've gotten together and we're going to promote ourselves as the right the right healthcare professional to help drive this industry forward. A great model for other states to follow, which will probably turn into the national uh, thing, right? The PCCC? I mean, I hope so. I mean, me it's too. It's really hard for me to speculate what's going to go national. What I know is that patients need advocates yes. and that patients need access to cannabis and they mm-hmm. also need access to healthcare professionals who are trained in cannabis. Mm-hmm. And it's not reasonable to just leave patients to their own devices to be able to afford their own medicine and, and try to, I mean, have to figure out which healthcare professional they can talk to that is knowledgeable. Like instead of like most medicines, you, you know that you're afforded certain rights and everyone is sort of trained to some extent, Mm -hmm. you know, you could ask a pharmacist or a physician about cannabis and 
they could tell you that it, you know, it's, it still causes brain damage and, and heart attacks when that's really not what the evidence says, but prohibition has created a lack of knowledge, understanding, and right. therefore, you know, lies. Lies. There they are. There they are. But so what do you want to happen? This, this huge machine has got to be filled with all the education. Did you have other teachers in your family? Cody, you're so great at teaching. <laughs> you know, really, I, 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 I love your graphics. You're just so interesting to listen to. And you just really connect the dots uh, for everybody. Thank you so much, honey. That's a really sweet thing to say. To, to be honest, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, we weren't. I can't think of any other than maybe a ninth grade science teacher who was Mr. Fleischer. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of a teacher who was really impactful, and I certainly didn't have any in my family. Um, but I, I can tell you that the pharmacist in, inherently is a teacher. Um, you know, oh, yeah. the same. Think about your interactions with the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. The, the the mandatory question mm-hmm. is, what questions do you have, mm-hmm. right? And then at which point the pharmacist is is supposed to off the cuff respond to any number of one bajillion questions that you could ask <laughs> about exactly. any given medicine in the entire pharmacy, right? Educating and conveying complex information in ways that, you know, is not overly technical is very much within the pharmacist's skill set and repertoire. So I find it little surprise that that you think I'm good at talking about, you know, <laughs> cannabis. I mean it because I'm taking talking about drugs, how they work yes. in the body, how they're going to make you feel, what to expect yes. for side effects, yeah. how to take it how to dose it these are all pharmacist questions all of them and yet we all believe that there that there are diagnosticians responsibility and it's not i i really am missing my pharmacist and after meeting um you know all of you and dr al and just everybody in the in that niche it just became so clear that our medical system needs some uplifting and some help you may have without even realizing it you may have asked a pharmacist uh you know about an herb one time or Mm -hmm. you know about about which brand of of this product or oh my my child has a sore throat a runny nose and an allergy to tylenol what can i give them indeed Um, i have but it's an underappreciated thing for sure. And very under people's perception of the pharmacist is always the pharmacist in the retail setting. But really, the pharmacist is a very dynamic profession. And, and only about a third of us work in that sort of um, retail dispensing, counting pills setting. Um, you know, the pharmacist is quintessential to all really all of Western medicine because Western medicine leans towards what allopathic medicine. Uh, and so that's medicine in which there's a prescription. The doctor identifies a disease state and then leans on an intervention, which is often, not always, often a, a medication. So the pharmacist, given that we're the, the medication experts, are a quintessential part of Western medicine. Mm-hmm. But if you look at 
uh, Eastern medicine, you'll notice that the pharmacist is often also involved in there. And they have a little bit different names. They might be called an herbalist. Um, that's a Dr. Leah Johnson, right? That's what she was doing before she, she moved towards pharmacy. Mm. And there's just a bunch of other little aspects of this. It, look, cannabis is medicine. Like I, like I mentioned, that's sort of one of my, that's my go-to hashtag, honey. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I use it too. Yeah, good. It's a, it's a goodie. It doesn't get as much attention, but it really is. And people say it can't be medicine. You know, it, it's an herb or it's a flower. It can be all of that. But the way it's medicine is that it, it, it uniquely affects all of us and it needs to be titrated carefully. It comes with benefits, therapeutic benefits, and also with some risks, some harms, side effects galore. I'm so sick. I hate the premise that cannabis doesn't have side effects. Mm. Cannabis has so many side effects, honey. I agree. Like, it's like well known. If you took a medication and we said, take this pill, and then, you know, one hour after, for one hour to three hours, you were so dry mouth that you're going, yep. You would say this medication is very powerful. <laughs> but you with would. cannabis, we're like, oh, that's dry mouth. Don't worry right. about it. You stay, have right. a snack. Uh, same thing with dry eyes. Same thing with like getting sleepy. That's a side effect, and that's okay. Um, but it's a reason it's a side effect, honey, is the system in which cannabis is working on, in particular THC is what I'm generally talking about. The system that it acts on is the endocannabinoid system, and it is quintessential to life here on earth and life inside you and me. And it is not meant to be stimulated indiscriminately with large doses of inhalable cannabinoids. It's meant to be stimulated by small, tiny doses of endogenous cannabinoids, those molecules produced within our own bodies designed to respond to the environment around us and maintain homeostasis. Like anandamide and so on. Anandamide is the most well-known, uh -huh. but really not the most abundant. Right. Uh, and, and this this is a uh, lucky anandamide was found first and got a cool name. Anandamide means For the real. bliss molecule. Exactly. Um, and, and it behaves very similarly to THC in the brain, almost identically. So cool name. Acts like everybody's favorite cannabinoid. Right. Makes total sense that it's the best known. But really, um, there are some more workhorses and some more important, um, what we call lipid signals in the body. Uh, than Fatty anandamide. signals. Yep. Lipids are fat cells, right? Lipid is another word for fat. Um, fat cells in our body are called adipose cells. Oh. Um, but but these fats are, aren't necessarily just within fat cells they're within all of our cells in fact the outside of every one of the cells in your whole body and there's trillions of them somewhere to the magnitude of 30 trillion uh each have are encapsulated in fats in something known as the cellular membrane and the cellular membrane keeps the things that we want inside of cells in and things outside of cells out uh it turns out though it also serves as a reservoir for our lipids that we use in lipid signaling like endocannabinoids. So to, to make this very simple, when the body needs an anandamide or a 2-AG, 
which are endocannabinoids. Mm -hmm. It takes it right from the cellular membrane right there available and converts it into the bioactive molecule that it needs. And this is different than other neurotransmitters like dopamine or like serotonin, which are actually produced in the body and, and built up and stored in little sacs or vesicles um, waiting to be used, as opposed to cannabinoids or endocannabinoids, which are produced on demand in response to environment and stimuli. Can we switch... Um... <sighs> train rails here for you're, just you're a like, second you're like get off this science sir no Break, i'm not no I'm, wanting, no I'm not no i'm not i'm wanting i want you to i want to dig into something close to my heart um Listen. autism mm. and i just saw um you know this the secs the society of cannabis clinicians um film with dr bonnie goldstein and dr pat fry and um you know just all, all of those wonderful people and i i'm i'm just so hopeful exactly that something is going to let loose and these darling patients are going to get some relief but i don't know I mean, look, honey, this is a patient population that is extremely underserved and a patient population that is growing. Uh, so autism is on the rise. We don't know why. Honestly, um, we, we really aren't sure. We know that it has something to do with modernization. As, as the world modernizes, we're seeing more and more autism. And acetaminophen, um, is that any, is that, that what she said in the uh, conference was that's that a it good, was, you know, that's when. A good question. Um, when, that's, look, when they had that scare for acetaminophen, the poisoning in it, and, you know, it all flew off the shelf for a couple of years, then autism went down. You That's know, what they said in that conference that, that you're referencing there. Okay. But I will say that I've seen numerous studies, even just in the last few years and review articles mm -hmm. trying to connect these dots. And there does appear to be potentially a connection between autism and and um, uh, Tylenol. The stuff use. we ingest. Yeah, right? and, But and I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, honey. Like. Not we could you you could try to make an argument that you know cannabis uh use before before pregnancy or during pregnancy could have implications like this there's a lot to unpack here but i do want to want to point out one thing and of course it's going to slip out of my brain before i even spit it out <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay so autism we think may be caused or sorry one of the numerous contributing factors, certainly if Tylenol is contributing, it's not the sole contributor. Uh, right. But maybe one of those things is Tylenol. A fun fact about Tylenol is Tylenol actually is now thought to interact with the endocannabinoid system. Uh, and that sounds bonkers, but there is a metabolite, so a natural breakdown product of Tylenol in the body. Um, it's called AM. 606 and um, make sure that somebody googles that after this and, and that I didn't mistake <laughs> it um, but in this metabolite actually has been shown to alter endocannabinoid levels and, and sort of engage in this same system and Tylenol's pr one of Tylenol's primary modes of, 
of action may be through inhibition of an enzyme known as COX, cyclooxygenase. And cyclooxygenase is also part of the larger endocannabinoid system um, called the endocannabinoidome. And, and so that could explain some of the mechanisms by which Tylenol has its effects, like the uh, temperature, you know, the antipyretic or the fever breaking effects of Tylenol may mm. even be mediated through endocannabinoid signaling. Oh, I'm just trying to picture all of that in my little head. I think I heard Dr. Ethan Russo and, um, uh, and Dr. Sulak talking about that recently, too. Yeah, we're, we're definitely singing the similar tunes, that those of us in science. That's because we're all reading the same literature. You know, a lot of individuals, um, I get, occasionally I get some trolls, for example, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, or individuals who just disagree with the, the content I'm putting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the content I'm putting out is coming directly from the peer-reviewed scientific literature. Uh-huh. Um, and so there is a lack of objectivity that has been created by prohibition as it relates to cannabis and cannabis proponents are often unable to see either the harms or just sort of the realities of, of where we're at with what we know, what we don't know, what has been studied, what hasn't been studied. Um, And so for example, I've been posting a lot on, on reproductive health. Mm-hmm. And one, you know, as far as reproductive health, the endocannabinoid system is just critically important. Um, one example of where the endocannabinoid system is is important is in the movement of a embryo down the fallopian tube and into the uterus. Yes. That is mediated through endocannabinoid signaling. I and without it. a properly functioning endocannabinoid system, the mother would be unable to pass the 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 embryo down along that tube and more importantly, or just as importantly, the embryo as it implants into the uterus setting up for nine months of, of growing and splitting in from one cell into, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess technically two half cells of sperm and an egg into one incredible living, breathing human in which the heart will, will beat continuously for the duration of 90 years without ever taking a break. And it's just incredible that the endocannabinoid system is uh, imperative to, to the start of that entire process. Oh my gosh, I got so much going on, I can't even remember to turn around. I meant to tell you that... Dr. Peterson will be back on the next episode to finish this conversation. Oh, it's so juicy. He starts talking about your little swimmers. Mm -hmm. Hey, friends. I can't wait to bring more exciting cannabis news and conversations to you. And with the pandemic coming down to a quiet rage next year, I'm planning on visiting some wonderful businesses in this industry to show you a peek behind the curtain, how it's growing, and what you need to be aware of. For instance, I'm very wary of D8 products being sold over the counter. It's an isomer, so by law, it's illegal to sell it over the counter no matter what the store tells you. And if you bought somewhere other than a licensed dispensary, 
it has not been tested for contamination and content. And it was most likely made by some armchair chemist working out of his garage. You're welcome. The point is, we must vet our sources. And that's why I'm here, to show you how. Don't buy your cannabis products from the dollar store or gas station. Just don't. Your health is worth so much more respect. So because of all the new activity coming up in the new year for us, I'm going to cut back to one episode of the Cannabivarum show per week so that I may bring you more exciting news from the field. We're going to have some wonderful adventures in cannabis. I can't wait for you to find out along with me. Pax Vobiscum, my friends. Hey, it's me again. I just keep forgetting to ask you, dear audience, if you would mind just taking a moment to go to your particular platform, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whoever you listen to your podcast on, and liking my program, maybe leaving a little comment. Gosh, you know how it works. It's so helpful to my business if you just leave a little comment or or especially a like. Thank you so much. You know how much I appreciate you. Hey, just one last thing. While I'm in the singing mood, it's my baby's birthday. Yep, he was a Christmas Eve baby. A million years ago, it seems like only yesterday. (laughs) Anyway, we wish you many years with lots of joyful tears we wish you health and wealth and cheer we hope you're having fun with all your sadness done we wish you happy birthday dear i love you sweetheart happy birthday You've been listening to another Cannabivarum podcast with 21st century cannabis shaman, Honey Smith Walls, that's me, about the importance of using safe hemp and marijuana products. The process of taking your records with your symptoms and diagnosis to a cannabis specialist can lead you to the correct cannabinoid therapy for your best results. Otherwise, you're just your own guinea pig looking for answers without any foundational knowledge or ability to determine the best choices. Unless otherwise proven by a reputable third-party lab test, please be advised that all street weed is contaminated. It may do grave harm to a patient with a delicate immune system like mine. I challenge you to check the veracity of my statements in each episode by checking the medical citations posted on my blog, the Cannabivarum.com website. That's C-A-N-N-A-B-A-V-E-R-U-M.com. Mm-hmm.